0: You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this day, um, for your mercy and for your grace, as it's given to us anew each morning. Um, Be with us now. Watch over us. Bless us and keep us and open your word to us. Um, In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I hope... Today works because I kind of woke up and had a few things that kind of unfolded. That's what I do on Sundays is kind of come back to the text one more time, and I got kind of excited about it. So I know it sounds weird, but I'm kind of what's what's going to happen. Um, just talking with Clay here, um, trying to deposit these phrases which were given on the front end of this this short series on Colossians. Um, uh, one, um, straight out of Luther, what he had called table talk. It was just before his time in so many ways. Uh, he and his wife, Katie von Bora, a uh, former monk and a former nun, they were given by their uh, their protector. Um, some of us have been there. Um, a former monastery, and this was their home. Well, that's like being given you know, a wing of the advent that said, here, y'all live there. It's like, this is way too much. And so they couldn't afford... To keep it, and so they would farm. They would farm and, and make beer and sell it and do some other things. But mostly, they just had it as a hostel, like a halfway house for people that would come by. Especially when he got famous, uh, and he would just sit around and after dinner, um, probably with a lot of beer, uh, and just talk. And you know, some people started just record all these things, and now we've got this. It's called Table Talk, Luther's Table Talk. Some of it's not probably quite right, but some of it's probably dead on. And out of that, I didn't mean to say all that, um, this great phrase, that prayer is not so much overcoming God's reluctance. Lord, please, please, please heal him. You know, change that situation, Lord. Um, And I know some of what some of us are facing. Um, That's a deal. That's a good prayer. Still want to hold on to that. But he shifts it, just talking to Clay, he shifts it just this much. He said, it's not so much that. Dear friend, beloved, um, it's not so much overcoming God's reluctance, but laying hold of God's willingness, of the willingness of God. If we think of God, you know, in the center part of who he is, what he would call his proper work, um, not his alien work, of delivering us to our deaths and our flesh, and that's going to come up, but his proper work, his, the work he wants to most do, when God is doing what God does. And that's our salvation. And that is his willingness to deliver us from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of his son. And that's gonna be where we really sort of sit here for a little while um, out of Colossians 1.13. Um, That work that God is doing when he's most doing the thing that God does is our salvation, our uh, not just the removal of the penalty of sin, um, and the power of sin, and then one day the presence of sin when we come into the new heavens and the new earth. Uh, laying hold of God's willingness and that sense of God's will be done um, on earth, here, now, as it is in heaven. This, this, this thing that God does, um, His willingness to will and to act according to His good purposes, again, as Paul says. Um, uh, so that's just what's sticking with me, is I'm kind of massaging the text better as the text is doing its work on me. I'm, I'm, I'm bringing a lot, that, a lot of that to it. So with that, let's, um, uh, let's read. Let's read. Um, it's not going to be a whole lot, but a few verses. Um, probably one, uh, verse 13 through 20. Um, I'm really going to camp on two or three verses. Hey, it's easy. me. Um, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom... And he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. So we'll stop there. Um, Gosh, we keep coming back to this every week, and we might, who knows? Um, It's just such a dense passage. with a series titled Christ is Enough, came up in Craig's sermon. Uh, Christ is Enough, um, and this transference from the kingdom of darkness, from the domain of darkness, and being delivered, transfer and deliver, the two verbs, and uh, uh, to the kingdom of his beloved Son. These distinctions between light and dark, between flesh and spirit, between... Um, law and grace between the alien work of God and the proper work of God, the killing work of God, delivering us to our end so that we may come out and be given uh, over to eternal life in Him. All these distinctions are very much at play here. And just thinking about that as we kind of slide back in as a way of intro, it's not enough that God speaks to us. It's important that He speaks to you, the personal word. It's not enough that He's, you know, Hear ye, hear ye, I have something to say to the entire world. Now he's saying like, Frank, Hughes, Gil, Chris, I have a word for you. And here it is. It's very personal, this personal word. Um, And then believing this, being given this truth, the question begins to emerge. So what? So what, what, what then changes? What's the consequence in the phrase that comes up today? What happens? What does it feel like? At a psychosomatic level, you know, our soma, head of the body, the soma, the, Christ, the Church. What does it feel like to be delivered from the kingdom of darkness, over from the domain of darkness, into the kingdom of His beloved Son? Um, thinking more about the, the the sense of of where we were, um, as He says in the next verses, um, at once uh, alien, you know, hostile. What does he say? Um, uh, uh, Who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, but have been brought over now into a place of reconciled. You who once were far off have been brought near. This idea of reconciling, reconciling your bank statement, same idea. The numbers are far off, and now they're brought together again. The central theme of what all this has to do with. Um, We, in our flesh, where we're far off and hostile in mind, Um, uh, we can't believe in God. We cannot. It's not that we do not. We cannot believe in God. Um, The flesh won't tolerate it. The flesh in our flesh, who we are naturally, we can't believe this. We're these godless rebels committed to saying this world is what there is. Fitzsimmons-Allison's my quote probably every week. Um, this world is all there is-ism. That is the prevailing worldview as we come out into this world looking through our eyes, which are sin, sin-laden eyes. We can't not, not see anything other than that, these godless rebels where we have to say that, um, you know, I am my God, I am my own Lord, um, I am weak, powerless, godless, ungodly, and hostile. Uh, all the conditions of Romans 5. And God says, I know, and I'm going to deliver you from that. From that place of hostility and far-offness. You know, and the son, the younger son, went off to a far-off land. And he was brought near to the father who ran out to meet him. Um, Behold, my empire of dirt. That's where I was this morning, too. Um, that's a reference, of course, to... Johnny Cash's cover of Hurt, you've seen it. You must have, because I looked at it again this morning, 130 million views. So I know every one of (laughs) y'all, every one of y'all have seen that, but it's worth watching again. You know, Johnny Cash, at the end of his life, the Nine Inch Nails song, going back, um, looking backwards on his life, near death, saying, all this, my empire of dirt, it's just crumbling away. I've been a godless rebel my whole life. And it's as if God's saying, I know, and now I'm delivering you transferring you to the kingdom of light. So with that, some visual cues. This is one thing I was really looking forward to. Um, Caravaggio again. Um, even, uh, I didn't spend much time with this last week, kind of hurried past it. Um, the, and I'm totally out of my league. i always going to preface my, my work with art, which I seem to be coming more and more into. Never took an art history class. Really, know very, very little except YouTube and Wikipedia and other things, and it was kind of picking up bringing theology and Bible over to it. That's my grid, but kind of seeing some of what's going on here. Um, chiaroscuro is the technique that's going on here, which is an Italian compound word, which means light-dark. And Caravaggio was the master of it, of all the contrast of dark and light and everything else. This is what I've been thinking of the last 10 days or so, thinking of this, you who once were alienated and hostile as mind, who have been far off, have been brought near, um, delivered from the kingdom of darkness into the domain of the beloved sun. Play on the word sun. It's not really there in the Greek or anything like that. But the play on words, at least to our English ears, of light, of the sun, of Christ, the light of the world, all those imagery that come through here. And so this is a Caravaggio piece. Um, uh, obviously Italian, Caravaggio, um, uh, in the what used to be called the Counter-Reformation, a Catholic artist, um, that's going to be important because of the centrality of Peter that's right here. A um, very positive view of Peter. Sorry, y'all can't see this. Um, um, a very positive view of Peter. Uh, let's look at the characters first. The calling of St. Matthew is what this is called. Um, and so we've got Christ. You almost wouldn't see. Even obscuro, you know, chiaroscuro, obscured, dark. Peter is obscuring most of Christ except for you can see his face, and this is the wisp, just a wisp of a halo, so Carvajal is very much saying like, you know, don't miss this character, unmistakably, this is Christ, with almost a limp hand, one hand, two hand, another hand pointing, hands, hands are a central piece here, we're going to be picking that apart too, where now the light and the dark, and the calling of uh, Christ, I mean, the calling of Saint Matthew by Christ. Um, and where does this come out of? Um, very simple but powerful uh, uh, simplicity, Matthew 9.9. 9. And Jesus passed on from there, and he saw a man called Matthew sitting in a tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And Matthew rose and followed him. I mean, it's just that simple. But Carvalgia wants to take that one moment, that simple moment, and begin to unpack it a little bit. Bringing, obviously, a lot into it with this light and this dark the obscuring and the revelation of what's coming, uh, of what's, what's here, what's not, um, what's here, what's coming. And he captures that moment, that fulcrum, that shift of what does salvation feel like? What does it feel like to be transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the domain of his beloved son so that now you too, will be told those same words, you are mine, my beloved. What does that feel like? How does that change things? From where the heart wells out and then it infects our mind and our behavior follows, what the heart loves, the will chooses, and the mind justifies. What does it feel like in the transferring from the old heart to the new? And then it affects the way that we think about things and the way that we make sense of the world. And then we start to walk as heat follows fire We start to walk into the world different than we were before. That's the question in this transference, this deliverance from the kingdom of darkness, the domain of darkness into the domain of his beloved son. And so chiaroscuro, this light, dark technique, um, this collision of clarity and ambiguity where Christ is coming to the world, where we have got these very, I mean, there's just no other word for it, these dandified men. You know which would be very much you know a dandy um, uh very sort of contemporaneous in in uh in sixteen hundred um, the year that the, that he painted this the uh sort of the upper class who were really probably kind of putting on a show just dandies i mean it's the word that tells you what they are. they're all dressed here with the contrast to the simplicity of Peter. In Christ, dressed as they would have been in first century Jerusalem, and so the contrast, the collision, not just of light and dark, but now of the simplicity of the kingdom of God with the, uh, the dandified faux complexity of, of, uh, of this world of flesh, and we start to then see obviously the light where it just starts to come down, and you start to dissect the uh, the frames. Let me come over here so y'all can see a little bit better. The frames are where they are. I'm thinking about these hands. In fact, let me do this. Um, uh, the hand of Christ is very reminiscent of another very popular hand, in the Sistine Chapel. Some of y'all are nodding. You saw this coming. Um, the creation of Adam with God. Some the Sistine Chapel. Never been there. Can't wait to see it one day. But up there where Adam's hand, limp. This isn't quite the way it's recounted in Scripture, but, you know, this is Michelangelo's vision, limp, as it were, lifeless, and he's being reached to by God. Look at the pregnancy of life in the power, in the omnipotence, in the rule of God, about to, as it were, infuse life into Adam. Well, that's, of course, Christ's hand, the second Adam, the first Adam receiving, the second Adam now giving, being made in the image of God, um, male and female who created them, and now the visible image, the image of the invisible God. Christ, both the, the image of, of, uh, of true humanity, um, the image of unmarred by sin, alike in us in every way save sin. Um, Christ, the very image of God. Uh, as we were called before sin, and as Christ now the second Adam, for through one man came sin, through another man, the second Adam, comes life and salvation. Caravaggio definitely has this in mind as we see this hand almost ready to point because the light comes down and you go just above the hand. And where does it go? Right there. Matthew. What does salvation feel like? This transference from the kingdom of darkness into the domain of, of the beloved son. Me? See his hand? Much more pregnant, much more powerful, much more pointed. Um, is it me? You got the wrong guy, man. He, I'm, I never met you. I'm just sitting here counting money, being in the world, lucre. That's my job. This is what I'm here for. Banking is a great... I'm not saying anything wrong with that. So. Um, you can't be talking about me. Not me. The light comes down falling on Matthew. Or is it not? You look at these other dandies. You've got sort of an old man looking, the bearded man wondering, is it me? Is it him? Totally preoccupied. Because you come right below the hand and you follow the light down. Where does it go? Squarely, as the light is also fixing on somebody completely preoccupied. That moment, right before the transference and deliverance happens. Or, Peter, we talked about this, good Catholic painting. We follow his hand with the same place of the light and bring it right to these hands. Look at those hands. This is what I saw this morning. It kind of excited me. It's as if this is the same hand, but it's not. Here's this man's hand. Me? And yet I'm still in the world. So divided... Welcome, divided, you know, I want and yet I don't. And then this one, his hand, because here's this younger man's other hand, his right hand, or his left hand. His right hand is here, and this left man. But it's as if this is both Matthew, old, young. Um, Here we are, pleased to meet you, divided, fragmented self, completely preoccupied, ready to move out, and then possibly, I read this, somebody else said. And here's the older Matthew, sort of looking in on itself, as it were. It's like, I remember what that was like. I remember what it was like when Christ first called me, when when I first felt what it was like, my heart strangely moved and being transferred from the domain of darkness, where I did not know, into the kingdom of his beloved Son. So there's just so much going on. There's other things we could talk about. I mean, Here's a sword, and here's a sword, and are they jostling each other, and is that war about to go on? What about this little kid, as it were? But just staying with the light coming to the hands, revelation about to happen, as we're asking the question, What about you? What about me? What does salvation feel like? Salvation, the penalty, the power, and one day, oh, I mean, I bet I've said this four times this week. I hunger and thirst. For the day to come, come Lord Jesus, when there will be no more crying, no more tears, no more hunger. Uh, when the presence of sin will be removed as far as the east is from the west. And remember, that wasn't when the psalmist said that we thought it was flat earth. East is from the west. They will never come back around and meet. As far as the east is from the west, so far will the presence of sin be from, uh, from each one of us. All this and a lot more caught in this painting. So let me hit pause because it's just a, an evocative piece of art I think. To see if anybody else has any. A lot of people bring a lot more sort of expertise. If Cumby were here, I was, was going to ask her to interact with this. She teaches art at Aspen. She's somebody I call sometimes. Um, but anybody questions or thoughts or bring any other familiarity with this this particular piece of Caravaggio, the calling of St. Matthew, and the question of what does salvation feel like? This moment of, uh, of pregnancy, of being transferred. Me? You got the wrong. No way. Not me. But could it be? Could it be me? Really? Still? Still hope for me? Yeah, Carrie? I don't have any thoughts about that, but I was with a friend yesterday, and she, she learned 19 books of the Bible, When I say 19 books of the Bible, I don't mean chapters, I mean 19 books, and so we were driving along yesterday, she recited the whole first chapter of Colossians here, you know, to me it's just astounding and so beautiful to hear somebody recite it from memory, and, um, but I, I was just, as you've been speaking, your uh, what does it mean to be transferred, um, for Christ mm. I could not keep on living according to the flesh and Julius Bartman says living according to the flesh is just living according to my best ideas that's right and I, I just couldn't stop yep. living according to my best ideas and, and to this day still it's difficult not to live according to my best ideas we're godless rebels we can't not not live according to my best ideas Unless Christ, who's coming into the room, he's plainly interrupting the ordinary life of a dandified group of men. Leaving, as it were, you know, this open place at the table. It's like, come on in, Gil. Got a seat for you. Of course. And there's nothing wrong with that. This is just life lived. And then Christ comes in and interrupts. And if he doesn't interrupt grace upon grace upon grace and reach... As God reached to Adam, now Christ, the second Adam, reaching to us, <coughs> saying, You. I choose you, Gil. You know, not because of what you've done or haven't done. You know, you're not you're not of use to me, you're not of utility. You know, just because it's my glory to love you, the unworthy, godless rebel. I choose you. What does that feel like? <clears throat> That's the vein I'm trying to tap. So I appreciate that, Carrie. Um, Christ is enough. I, you know, I know enough. less about art than you do so this is probably <laughs> welcome a good so. uh, but uh do do artists ever make comments on some of the inferences that various people have drawn upon this painting? Is it such that artists would never? So this is what I had in mind. Does he just leave that to... That's a great question. Um, I ask artists now because I've got this presumption. I want to know about their creative process, mm-hmm. and I want to sort of what does it mean. And most of the t- most of the time, they're like, "Well, what do you think it means?" You know, well, they're they're leaving it way open way. and all so that stuff. And so yeah, I have yeah, no idea about Caravaggio. He, I don't think he wrote like, "And here's my key." Yeah. You know, my answer key to uh, to the, the way things are. And somebody else come in if you want to. Um, I think it's very interesting that. the I how the light works, like it's like unnatural. Like if you look out yep. the window, yep. it's yep. much darker yep. than where the That's light right. is coming from. So I mean, you kind of trust me that mm-hmm. clearly it's, it's late evening or something, and you've got this ray beaming through. It is unnatural. It is intrusive. It's what God does. Um, it's also interesting that it's, the light's not coming from Jesus. Yeah, it's behind him, isn't it? It's, yeah. It, it, is that a... Is that comment about the Trinity and that it's coming from God the Father? That that hadn't even gone there, but yeah, sure, sure. Maybe. Um and it seems like whatever this I call him a kid, he looks very young, is looking at, it's that. The source of the light somehow. It's like, What what is that? You know, almost his face. Because whatever it's coming from, it it it's not Christ. And it's I don't know. That's really good. I don't know. But the light is not natural. It's not coming in where you think it should be coming in from. So, yeah. So I have a test question for you. Oh, good.
1: I'm studying um, the Holy Spirit in the Kelly Harper small group. Uh-huh.
0: And I asked my new dear friend Leslie Halsman when she gave a speech a uh, uh, sort of a testimony about what she went through in Dallas. And this makes me think about it because Matthew's kind of going, hmm? Mm-hmm. Or, when the Holy Spirit is trying to get your attention... Or, what's the best way that we can be open to the Holy Spirit? Yeah. um, Sorry. No, no, no. In some ways, I think it's certainly prayer. Um, Yeah. All this would be good. Prayer, the Bible, being part of the body, um, putting yourself in a position to hear, whether it's here, a sermon, or whatever else. But... But, and it's a really strong but, prayer is laying hold of God's willingness. And if His will is to act and to purpose your life in a certain way, He's not going to be very gentlemanly, and He's going to come in, dress the wrong way, in sort of a very unholy way, and catch you. And He's going to get you. God is going to cut you down, you know, as Johnny Cash, pull him again. He's going to get you. So the best place, certainly in the body, I think we know to... You know, I need to stay plugged in to hear the word of God. So I read the scripture. I place myself in in uh, in positions where it's going to be preached and proclaimed and taught. You know, and all that is great, but God is going to have the last word. God is going to put Himself in the places that He wants to put us. I know. Sometimes, I know for me personally, the darkest of moments is when the Holy Spirit. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Look at this. The darkest of moments. Yes, yes. Um, I think, too, I always am so tempted by the fact that, that he is the author and the finisher of ourselves. That's great. He's the beginner and the end of the He's the perfecter, and so even just he knows your heart. And to say, I want to know you more, you know me, you're the perfect teacher. I just want to know you more. And then he takes it from there to me. But it takes a while to get to that position. Yeah. Because in Zen, like we don't, know, we don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. Zen, you know. I appreciate that, Leeds. Almost, if this interpretation is right, young, middle, and old, it takes a long time. It's repeated. It's over and over. There is the once and for allness. I once was blind, and now I see. When I was 17... This happened, and I prayed the prayer, and my life has never been the same. And at the same time, it's not either or, it's both and. And then I woke up the next day, and there was still death around me, and I was still in the flesh, and I still wanted to be a godless rebel, even as I knew that I wasn't. And that kept going over and over and over again, and I found myself being repented by God for the rest of my days. It's as if finally Matthew's looking over and saying, I remember. And what does salvation feel like? Um, yeah. I think we we'll going oh, to stay here. I'm not gonna go on the yeah. Humbleness. Yeah. Then Matthew, one way, not me. Mm. You know, I'm not the worthy. Mm. I'm not the you know, and I love it's it's in the moments of you know, self reflection mm. so often mm. that you just go, Me? Mm. And it is he's there. Mm. I appreciate that. Um, One of the guys that's sitting there looking down, I mean, that fee be not just him counting money, but just humbly balancing Could be, it it's true. yeah, yeah, the yeah. That's actually what I thought. I did not think he was counting his money. Mm-hmm. I thought he was just humbled by. That's good. Especially if that's not both his hands right there. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's not. It's crazy, yeah. Yeah, because those are two different hands. This hand belongs here. This hand belongs to him. Um, Here's his second hand. One hand, two hands. Um, Reminds me of Rembrandt's hands, the male and female and the prodigal son. um, One very strong. You can even see it's a little bit lower. Pulling the prodigal close, and the other is like a mother's hand. It's very tender. It's not quite as low, and it's just like, I've got you. I've got you. The hands. I'm not an artist, but the artists say, yeah, the hands. The hands are going to be the expression. Um, So, from here, rather than trying to rush into anything, I'm just going to hit pause and kind of carry this over. Um, What does salvation feel like? What is it at the moment of the transference of a new heart from the heart of stone to a heart of flesh? Whether it's the first time when I'm not there, or it's my thousandth time. we're going to keep going and probably unfold a little bit further um, into one of the thunderous verses. Um, when I think of Colossians, I first think of one fifteen. He is the image of the invisible God, whereas another translation says he is the visible expression of the invisible God. And we'll think about that more um, in terms of uh, Jacob and his fight for a blessing for so long um, and his. Uh, incredible story of wrestling with the dark figure, and who is this? Did he know it was God? Is it Esau, his brother, who he's been sort of fighting since the womb? Um, uh, and what it's like to say, oh, if you want to know who God is, if you want to know what God, who God is, what he's like, what he's doing, um, what is he doing when he's most doing the thing that he does? Well, it's a teaser. Ta-da! <laughs> the visible expression of the invisible God. When God is doing the thing he most wants to do, he humbles himself and becomes obedient to death, even death on a cross. Um, so that's where we are head next week. Let's pray. Lord, be with us. Um, take these words, humbly and feebly offered and by the power of your gospel. Um, uh, do your work. Um, let your will be done. Uh, here now um, to each of us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us for one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.